I tell you, I know Wednesday night. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you hadn't, if you weren't able to see the movie on Friday night, um, if you would, let me know and we'll try to get that so you can watch it. We have it on DVD. And um, the story of Obadiah Holmes, one of our Baptist forefathers. It's very important that we understand that we are not Protestants. Amen. And uh, we were we were around a long time before the Protestants started started up and said, you know, we'll, we're going to reform the Catholic uh, institution. And uh, well, praise the Lord. And uh, I, I I'm not dismissing anything that might have been done. And uh, those who call themselves Protestants, that was good. But I do know this: that the churches of the Lord Jesus Christ had never ceased from the time that he was on earth. Amen. And they never will. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, the Bible says. Amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, we looked, we started last week, but we're going to continue on. Kind of last week's message was kind of just part one, and we're going to go to part two. Because the Bible has a lot to say in the last two chapters of 1 Thessalonians about holiness and sanctification and living a, a righteous life. And we live in a time when it's not looked at as something that we have to worry about anymore because we're saved and that's okay. And we get, we have liberty now to do with, with whatever we want to do. I know we can, um, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, of, of false doctrine that's being taught in churches a lot because of, well, we can do whatever we want because we're in the age of grace. And I say, praise the Lord. Absolutely. We are. And you say, well, we are no longer bound to the Ten Commandments, so we're no longer under the law. That's right. Uh, under the law, that the Bible says that, you know, thou shalt not kill. That was the law. Now, the law in the New Testament, the Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the Lord said, if, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, it's the same as murder. You say, well, I'm so glad we're in the New Testament. Actually, in a lot of ways, it's a little bit more rough, rougher, amen, or a little more tough because, uh, yes, we have the Holy Spirit of God to help us, but there's some guidelines for us as Christians to, to adhere to, some commandments that we need to follow because the Lord is not uh, uh, wanting us just to live our lives for ourselves and die to go to heaven. He can't wait for us to get there so he can just... Um, you know, we can do stuff all together, but he wants us to live holy, separated lives on this earth. And he tells us in John, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, where he says, Let your lights so shine before men that they may see your good works, and that they may glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And so we come today to our text here in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, and that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because the, that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. 
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to be here this morning. And Lord, I, I pray for those who could not make it here today. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with them and bring them back to us very soon. Lord, if they be sick, I uh, pray that you touch their bodies, Lord, and raise them up. If, Father, they're away, I pray, Lord, that you would, would bring them back to us very soon, Lord. And I pray, Lord, today that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that distractions will be kept away. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me. Father, I have no desire to glorify myself or to bring attention to myself. Father, please, would you hide me? And would you bring this message to your people, Father, as you'd have them here today? And Lord, may we be encouraged and strengthened, Father, and convicted. Lord, I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we understood that the will of God for his children is our sanctification, that we are commanded to abstain from fornication in verse 3. And also that we should know how to possess our vessels in sanctification and honor. Now, listen, because the reason why is because we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Amen. And so we understand that. Today we pick up our study in verse 5 where it says, Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. You know, not in the lust of concupiscence. Uh, that word means to covet or lust after, to desire or covet. Lust, uh, uh, unlawful or irregular desire of sexual pleasure in a more general sense, the coveting of carnal things or an irregular appetite for worldly good, inclination for unlawful enjoyments. Now, an unnatural desire with no rational object, aim, or end. Now, before I go any further, I, we could all stand here and we could sound like a politician up here and talking about our country and the moral decline of our nation. But listen and understand this. He is not writing to the church or to the people of Thessalonica. He is writing to the church of Thessalonica. And he's not saying this is what the world, this is what you shouldn't do in the world. But he's saying this, you as a church, you brethren, you who call yourselves Christians, you who have been bought with a price, you who the Lord wants to, to sanctify, you who the Lord wants you to be consecrated unto him, you need to be warned of this. And one thing we need to be, we need to realize is that we will battle the old man, the old flesh, until the day that we die. There, listen, there are natural sins. I believe last week we covered what we would say would be natural sins. And then there is unnatural sins. What we dealt with last week, we would call natural sins. Turn over to Romans chapter 1, if you would. Over in Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Look at verse 26 of Romans chapter 1. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is in unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was Meet. Now look over at, at verse, or down to verse 30, 31. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful. And so we find here, this is a simple Bible doctrine that has been, that's been dismissed with, with one saying. 
And that one saying has been said over and over and over again. And I don't know where it originated. I don't know who come up with it, but it's a saying like this. Well, sin is sin. But no, that's not true. And I'll give you, I know we cover this and I know we understand this, but I'll give you an illustration. If you go out here today and you drive up the that way going out there and you go up the, the wrong way up a one-way street, and guess what? You might get a ticket. I highly doubt it because if they were writing tickets in Woodstock for people going the wrong way up a one-way street, they would lower the taxes. I can promise you that because before we had curtains on these windows, it was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if it was a race to the chicken joint or what, but I actually, a couple of weeks ago, I saw somebody backing up. I guess that's okay if you back up, you know. But, okay, if, 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 if there's a cop sitting there and, and uh, he was going to get some chicken, he looked, and here comes somebody zipping up there. He's most likely going to write him a ticket. And, you know, he's going to get out his little book, most likely, or he might just give him a warning if it's somebody who's not from around here. and and uh, Or if you turn left off of Connell Street on the main street, which you're not allowed to do, and if you do that, you, you might get a ticket or you might get a warning. Hey, if you're from out of town, you'll probably just get a warning. Don't do that again. But, you know, if you walked over here to the bank, on Monday morning and you walked in there and you handed them a note and you had a mask over your face and you said, either give me your money or I'm going to detonate the bomb in my backpack. And they gave you all the money. And you went out and there was a cop standing outside the door. And he was there and he's like, wait a second, what you doing? And he's like, well, I just robbed that bank. Oh, okay, well, give the money back. Come here, I want to talk to you. It wouldn't be that way, would it? Why? But because there was a greater degree of offense there. Going the wrong way on a one-way street is not as bad as robbing a bank. It's not as bad as shooting somebody in front of you in line because they're taking too long and their order's too long and you want to get your order in first. And so when it comes to the, to God's laws, yes, and I'm not saying that, well, these little sins here, the little sins there, um, you know, we, we use uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, wherefore, seeing we also are come to the battle so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every sin and the weight that's every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, you say, well, that's just one of those sins that we kind of hold on to. That could be, or it could just be we're just struggling in our life and we're not submitting ourselves to the Lord like we should be. We're not running the race that we should be. And so when it comes to the laws of God, I'm not saying that, that some sin is okay and some is not. There is no sin that is okay. And maybe that originated that saying because there is no sin that is okay with the Lord. All sin is wicked in the sight of God. But some sins have more punishment than others. I believe the Bible teaches us in heaven there will be degrees of, of privilege in heaven or degrees of privilege. I, I truly believe that. I believe the Bible teaches us very clearly that there is the family of God and then there is the church of God. I truly believe that. I believe that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, there will be the bride of Christ and there will be guests at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I truly believe that. The Bible is clear on that. I clearly can see that. And just as if, as if there's, just as there is degrees in heaven, there's also degrees in hell. It's a Bible doctrine. Now, I'm not preaching on that this morning, but I want us to, to understand that as we look into our passage today. We looked last week and we said, okay, we have some natural sins. A natural sin is not okay with God, and it should not be okay with us. But there are some things that are natural things. and then, But we're, there's those that who move on into the unnatural. Sin 
is wicked. Look back in 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you would, just a couple pages back from uh, our, our study here in 1 Thessalonians. And 1 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> I might, I might, one second, hang on, let me look over here. Yes, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, we are in the last days. I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that we are in the last days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. What's those next words? Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. There's where we are today. Now, I know it's in the world, but we're having a warning that's given to us today that that should not be found in the church of the living God. But it can be. Can I say it's not only in the Catholic institution or the Protestant churches that have scandals. There's a lot of, in our churches that we would say that they're kind of our stripe, independent, Bible-believing Baptists that have some very, very, very wicked things that takes place in the churches. It's in the news all the time about wicked, unnatural things taking place against children and yes, some of them are independent Baptists that are doing this. I personally, in my life, have known personal, I have personally known people who have been, who have been prosecuted, who have, have done jail time and everything else because of wicked, unnatural sins. Now, I just want to say this because I, I know we have kids in here, but anytime somebody would harm a child, the Bible says, the Lord says, they should have a millstone. They'd be better off having a millstone hung around their neck and dropped in the ocean. Amen. Yeah. And I, I would say amen to that, and I would vote for that. And I don't think they should be walking around on our streets. Amen. amen. I believe that we need to, we need to guard ourselves as, as, as the Apostle Paul, speaking on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God here, as he wrote this letter to this church, he's saying there's some things that you need to guard yourself against. There's some natural things, some natural desires. But listen, if those natural desires are not kept in check, it goes on to a next, another level. And that, buddy, I'm telling you right now, when your mind goes wicked, and your mind can be given up to those things. And we need to be careful. Can I say this? There's not one of us in here who are spiritual enough to handle the temptation that the devil will send our way. On our own. Amen. Well, you don't understand. I mean, that's me. That's why in our church we have certain policies that we abide by, that we hold to, that you don't go touching somebody else's kid. You don't touch the kids if they're not your own. Listen, you don't go and you don't dis you don't grab a kid and pull them over. You don't go and, and, and take kids and, and pull them over and, and you, you just, it's just, you don't do that. You say, well, I don't, I'm not, I don't mean anything. I just want to, want a hug. I want that. No, no, no. You don't do that. You don't do that. He said, well, I'm not weird. I'm not strange. I know you're not. But not everybody who walks through these doors knows that. Right. And we need to guard ourselves. I cannot stress this enough. This is a warning that the Lord has given to his people and his churches. To give it a more personal warning, it's given to you and it's given to me. 
He goes on to say here in verse 5, even as the Gentiles which know not God. He discusses the things that we are to guard ourselves against or guard ourselves from, things we are to abstain from, things that should not even be mentioned among us. As he was writing, as Paul also was writing to the church in Corinth. You know what he said? He said there's things going on there that should not be even mentioned, that should not be named among the church of God. And it breaks my heart to things over and over and I've seen in my life and how it's hurt the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ because people just did not believe the word of God and they would not hold to the word of God. It bothers me when Christians talk and when they act like the world. We are to be a particular people. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 it says who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. We are not to be at one with the world. We are not to be at one with the world. We are to be separate. I, If you have been a Christian for any length of time at all, you will understand what it means to bear some of the reproach of the world. Now, we do live in a very easy area, I guess you would say, where we don't bear the reproach of, of other Christians around the world in other places. You know, can you imagine being a Bible-believing Christian in Iran? Can you imagine being a, a Bible-believing Christian, maybe North Korea or even China? And you say, well, you could never witness. The Waldensian Christians, and they were in the, one of the, they were very evangelistic, and they would go, and one of the things that they would do, they would, an older man and a younger man, they called, they called the older men uncles in Wisconsin because they didn't want to, call him father because of the, the Catholics. And so they would call him uncle and they would go. And the older man, it was a preacher, and, and he would take the younger man and they would go on missionary journeys. And it was said that every night they had a place to sleep from somebody they had won that day. And it was said as they would go, they would take a certain kind of tree, and I can't remember exactly what it was. They would take a certain kind of tree and they would plant it in the yard of the people that, that they had won to the Lord. And that way, anybody that would come past that way again, they would know, hey, these are believers. These are believers. He said, what was the big deal about that? That was in the darkest days of the dark ages where these people were slaughtered, where their children were thrown from cliffs, where they were speared, where they would take them, where they, they would take them, where the Pope would send out his armies and they would take and as they would collect their heads on in wagons and they would light their roads and their streets with the burning heads of Christians our Baptist forefathers and you say well why do you tell us that because we, we, sh we should not forget that and we live in a time where we can go out and we can have we can clearly witness to people and, and freely and, and just go and share our faith and we don't have to worry about you know, I mean, the worst thing can happen is they can tell us to go away I don't want to hear it and we can say okay we'll go to somebody else we are to be different. We are to bear the reproach of the world and gladly bear it. John chapter 15, verse 19 says, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. 
But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Look over in Romans chapter 1 once more, really quickly. We're back in Romans chapter 1. Look in verse 21, Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> it says here, because that when they knew not knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Look in verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Listen, he's giving the church a warning here, and he's given us a warning to not even as the Gentiles which knew not God. There should We have no excuse. We know God. We know Christ. He is our Savior. He is personal to us. I, I was just thinking last night, I was, I was told Josie, I said, I was praying, it was getting later, and I could hear giving haircuts and, 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 you know, reprimanding the boys and stuff. And, and I was praying, and I, I, I was, I mean, I was enjoying my time with the Lord. And I, I told her later, I said, it was like the Lord said, all right, it's enough. <laughs> you need to go help. Some things need to be done. And I did. And you say, well, that's strange. No, I'm telling you, when you have a prayer time with the Lord, you're, you're talking with Him. He's there. You're in fellowship with him. And you say, well, it's strange if he talks back. No, but you can feel it when you're there, when you're in his presence. Don't act like the world. Don't act like we've never been saved. You say, well, that wouldn't be me. That would never be me. But for the grace of God, yes, it will Amen. or would. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says that, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant, covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There was a time. That's when I, that's when I love to hear, I love to hear testimonies. Now I, I want to, I, hopefully, uh, with the last 10 years, hopefully if, if we can understand that a testimony is not about going back into your past and talking about all the garbage in your past, glorifying yourself and giving the next 30 seconds of how you got saved. A testimony can be, I just want to thank the Lord what he's done for me. He saved me and he's kept me. And I just want to show you, I just want to tell you what the Lord did for me this week. And I believe every Christian should be able to give a testimony every single day of what God did for him that day. And he said, well, I, I don't know. Some, I would, if you read your Bible, if you had your prayer time, if you desired that day, if you made a conscious effort to serve the Lord that day, the Lord did something for you. He did something for you. I mean, I, I remember last Sunday, was it last Sunday we were coming in and, 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 and the Sunday school lesson this morning, we're talking about angels and the guardian angels. I told the kids, I said, well, no, there's no doubt in my mind right there, that truck should have slept right into us, the back end of it, because she whipped that around, the tail end come around, and it should have hit right in that front fender, right where I'm at. But it didn't. It got right there and it went right out of the way. And I said, that could have been an angel protecting us as we went to church today. The Lord does take care of his children. Why is it so hard for us to realize that the Lord wants us to be different from the world? Verse 6 says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner. To do so is to say you are better than they are. 
You know, I've met believers who were saved, but they were not Christians. Everybody know what we mean by that? Saved, they're believers, but they're not a Christian. To be a Christian, the Christ, they were called Christians first and Antioch because they were Christ-like. I've seen a lot of Christians or believers who weren't Christians. I remember, I remember several years back, we were at a gathering. There was a lot of people there. And we got to see some folks that we hadn't seen in quite a while. And I remember Joe was sitting there with some other, other ladies and they were around a table and they were enjoying the fellowship. I think I was over there holding 15 kids or something. You know, obviously every once in a while I'll try to pull them off so that she can have some fellowship. And she was there and I'll never forget there was another man there and his wife was at the table and he wanted to go. And he walked over there and he hollered across the room at his wife and said, I'm leaving. Let's go now. She jumped up and she went out of there and she had to, or she'd have been standing there by herself, left alone. That was not very godly. It was not very godly. He was thinking of himself and he wasn't thinking of anybody else. We teach our kids all the time. I remember our boys got it mixed up. I think it was Micah at one time. Got it mixed up. The verse where it says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule. You know, Micah was like, well, do unto others, you know, that you want them to do unto you. Or something like that, he would say. And that's why I'm doing it. Because they want to do it to me. No, 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 no. That's completely missed that one, you know. I've seen times here in our church that we maybe haven't done things like we should. We haven't been considerate of one another. We've put ourselves first over somebody else. And that brings brings us to shame. We should not be that way. I could take you right now to a certain places of business that are run by so-called Christians who have a terrible testimony. You know, our Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's simple. That could be a message in itself. Folks, I, I stand here and I preach because God has called me to this position. God has called me to this ministry. But I do not stand here and I do not preach because I think I'm the best theologian around. And I'm the greatest teacher, and you need to listen. Far from it. Far from it. I understand I understand how inadequate I really am and how much I really need to rely on the Lord. And if we look at ourselves and think we are something better than somebody else, shame on us. Shame on us. We like to quote the verse in Matthew 7, the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We need to understand that. Understand it. He goes on to say, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. Do we see that? That kind of really struck me interesting there. The word because. He's given us commandments that we are to abstain from certain things. We are to live a holy, sanctified life. And But he's not saying, because if you do, I'm going to give you all this stuff. He says, well, I can't get, wait to get my reward, heaven. Heaven's not our reward. Heaven's guaranteed when we become a Christian. You can't lose heaven. 
Amen. Once we're saved, you can't lose heaven, but we can lose rewards. But he's going on here and he's not saying that if you live this life, if you live sanctified life, um, it's because I'm going to give you all this if you do. But he, no, it doesn't say that because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. Now, there, there are times when people ask me why I do something a certain way. In church, I believe we know exactly why we do certain things. Why we have communion, why we sing hymns, why we meet on Sunday and not Saturday or Monday, except for snowstorms. Why we, why we meet on a Wednesday evening. Why do we have communion? Why do we take an offering? We know. And we know not because our denomination says that's what we need to do. We know because the word of God, the Lord, our head, tells us that's what we are supposed to do. That's what we do. it. But in my life, there's been many times, especially my kids, and we have six of them, and they ask questions all the time, nonstop. And a lot of times I say, because. <laughs> because. And they say, well, because why? Because I'm dad. Because she's mom. Just because I want to. Because I'm your boss. You know, I mean, you, we use all those things. But that's not the case here in our text. We are commanded to live holy, sanctified lives. Lives that stand out from the rest of the world. We as Christians should be trustworthy. We as Christians should be uh, always keep our word. When we say we are going to do something, it should be done. You should never, ever... Listen, I, now there's been times when we can call out people and we don't call out people because we're doing the right thing as a Christian. But when you say you're going to do something, you must always, always do it. Every time, always. The church was admonished to take advantage of others. They were not to seek personal gain at the expense of a brother. The Lord expects us to live lives that are above reproach and accusation. Do we realize the testimony that we we have is one of the most fragile attributes that we have? Our testimony is one of the most fragile attributes. It declares to the world who we are. And dictate, it dictates how we are perceived in this world. It declares to the world that we are Christians. We are Christ. We are his. It identifies us. It identifies who we are, amen, to the world. It sets us apart from the world, our testimony. A, a testimony can take a lifetime to build, but it can only take a few seconds to completely destroy your testimony. Just a few seconds. We must be mindful of the life that we live before others and seek to guard our testimony. Because if we don't, if we don't, we will face the avenger. We will face the avenger. I don't have time to go into it all. I know it flies in the face of, of modern religion who who have a picture of Samson. They call him Jesus. Jesus didn't have long hair. He didn't have effeminate clothing. He wasn't walking around with his wrist limped over and, and talking with a lisp. No, he was a man. He was a man of man. Man, amen. He was a real man. He was a perfect man. He was the God man. Nothing is more asserted in the word of God. Nothing is more legibly written on the lives of men than that their sure retribution awaits those who do not serve the Lord.
Romans 12, verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, really quickly, I want to just show you a verse in Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, he's talking to the seven churches here. I believe they were seven literal churches. And he was giving them a warning. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. He was telling them there were some faults. You know, we say, well, we like to sing songs, and it's truly, we God does not look at us as sin-sick people. We have been washed in the blood. But after salvation, there's an obligation that we have to live for him. That's up to us to live that obligation. As a church, we are, we are commanded to hold to certain doctrines, to preach the word, and to keep ourselves undefiled from the world. And if we don't, there's a warning that was given here in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Now, there's been a lot of churches in our area. And I would even say some would say they're Baptist churches and, and they hold to the Baptist faiths. Do you know this? And, and, and I know I'm recorded, but it's all right. I mean, they wouldn't care that I was mentioning this. The first church was started in Canada. It was actually, was it Wolfville, Nova Scotia? But it was actually, I believe it's Sackville, Nova, or uh, New Brunswick now, where the church is at. It's still going today, to this day. Do you know that you can go there right out of a Protestant church without a scriptural baptism and join their church? And they call it association membership. Oh, you don't have to. You don't have to have, you know, immersion. I mean, that'd be good if you could. I wonder what the preacher preaches on. I mean, what else are you going to leave out? Do you know in God's eyes, they're no longer a church? Oh, they, they, can, they can meet there. They assemble and everything else. They're no longer one of the Lord's churches because they hold not to the doctrines that are taught. We need to be careful. We're listening to the Lord when he shows us something. It seems like people today are so hard. And I'm not talking about the people in the world, but I'm talking about people in churches because they're set in my ways. I know what I believe, and I don't care if you prove to me it's wrong. I'm still going to say it. I remember sitting in a lady's home. Her and her husband were there, and I showed her from, from Scripture. They asked me a question, and I said, well, the Bible says. And I said that like three times, and she said, I don't care what the Bible says. We've always done it this way. And I closed my Bible, and I said, if you don't care what it says, then I have nothing more to say. Because I cannot change somebody's mind. Because we can argue all day and I can say, I believe it should be done this way. You believe it should be done. Let's compromise and we'll go together. And that's how you have churches that have association memberships. Well, they're not scriptural churches any longer. Because people got together and they thought this would be a good thing. If we just open it up and allow certain things in. I know they didn't do that in the past. I don't know why they didn't do that in the past. Oh, here's a no-brainer. Maybe they were following scripture. Maybe they were following scripture. He goes on to say here, as we also have forewarned you and testify. Now you can sit in the service and you can say that you're not going to listen. You're not going, you're not going to change my mind no matter what you say, preacher. You can sit and you can catch up on your emails and texts and um, naps or whatever. 
Or you can be really spiritual and say, I'm sitting here catching up my Bible reading or my prayer time. But the message is going forth. And, that, and, and as the Bible says, and now you have been forewarned. I'll end with this quote from D.L. Moody. I, we, I certainly wouldn't agree with D.L. Moody on all his doctrines. But I believe he was a saved man. And served the Lord and did great things for the Lord. He said this. He said, a holy life will make the deepest impression. Lighthouses blow no horns. They just shine. I thought that was pretty good. We're not here to toot our horns and say how we are. We're just we're here to let our light shine to all the world. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray, Father, that you would just... Use these messages in our study here in First Thessalonians, Lord, and would strengthen our church. Father, I love you, and I pray, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts, Lord, please. May we be submitted to you and your will. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.